there is something more that God wants to do in us and in our lives. I want to talk about that this morning. There's something more. Um, I got to thinking about this, and for some of you, I've been your pastor for almost 19 years now, and um, so you kind of know my personality and where I'm at, and if you've been around the church, you kind of know maybe who Daryl Smith is, and um, when I talk about something more today, um, what I realize is it's, it's, it's something that um, has been on my heart ever since I've been a pastor for 30 plus years now. Um, sometimes I wish I wasn't like this, but the reality, yeah, in several ways, but uh, this in particular, Brother Kevin. Yes, thank you, thank you. My mama, yeah, thank you, Mom, for being here today. I'm joking. Um, you know, I always wish that somehow I could just uh, settle for the status quo, that I could uh, just get to a place and go, you know, this is a good place, and I just want to stay here. But it's never been my personality. Uh, it seems like God always just says, no, there's something more. You've got to go further. Uh, you can't settle for where you're at. But the, the sense in my heart is uh, if I ever settle or we settle, then we're going to begin to go backwards. And so, you know, it's part of my role. I guess it's within my personality and what God has laid on my heart to push us to say, no, there's more. There's a higher level. God wants to do something more in our lives. Um, and, you know, it's more than just, uh, oh, you know, if you've been here for a while, Brother Darrell loves a good building project. Amen? We need to be doing something with our hands. Uh, I'm kind of running out of things. Actually, we had a sewer project this week, which was very fascinating for me, and I loved it. Uh, breaking up, I wasn't actually breaking up concrete, but you know, let's just, you know, we had a dead week. Let's just replace some sewer line, you know. But, you know, through the years, I think when I first got here, we, I jumped on the parking lot and good grief, we've built a balcony and we've built a family life center and we've recently renovated our children's area. And I think really we've renovated every square inch of the building since I've been here. But, you know, for me as a pastor, it's not about those outward things. It's not about programs. There's something at a deeper level uh, that God wants to do. And I, I thought about the themes that resonate in my heart that, quite honestly, I come back to over and over as your pastor. So, you know, if you're here for a while, you go, okay, no, this is, <laughs> this is, I, I kind of know where Brother Darrell's going to be and what he's going to talk about and what his spirit is. And, you know, a lot of times for me, my heart from 30 years ago, I don't know if it's my, my experience or, or what it is that, you know, so many times in life, it, it's just not about the outward stuff. Um, it's about my heart and what God needs to do. Um, 
And sometimes we can condense the Christian life down to some outward things that we do. I just don't think that's it. I think if God gets a hold of our hearts on the inside, those outward things will take care of themselves. So quite honestly, I've never thought of myself as a preacher that preaches to your head. I don't know. Hopefully you learn something about the Bible when I preach. But my intent is not to fill your mind with knowledge. It is that somehow in the midst of it, God would touch your heart. Because if God doesn't change my heart and your heart, then really we can't be where he wants us to be. And so there are themes through the years that I just come back to. I just can't let go. And so, and I wish I could say to you at times as your pastor, oh, I just love where my heart and your heart is right now. And that's true many times. I just love where we are. But God always says, no, there's something more. There's something greater. There's a higher level. There's a deeper relationship. And I'm calling to you, calling you to that. This year, 2018, I think falls in line with that. So many things are so good in our church right now. But I can't just rest in that. I can't. There is a call this year for God to ignite our hearts, for God to fire up our passion for him and for his work and just in our lives, our relationship with him, that we would not settle for being lukewarm. We would not settle for just living good lives or living out half-hearted commitments, or just having a head knowledge of God. No, I believe that God wants something more in our lives so that he can do something more in our lives. Uh, the difference for me in what we've talked about for the last two months is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I kind of want to trace that theme this morning and what we have to talk about. What I believe God calls us, me too, and to you too, is a relationship with him that mirrors the New Testament and transcends the Old Testament. In fact, you know, for weeks we've been talking about uh, that our God is a consuming fire. And we see that so much in the Old Testament um, Moses at the burning bush, the children of Israel at Sinai, our first story that we looked at, Elijah at Mount Carmel, that God is, is a consuming fire. And so we can trace that in the Old Testament, and God is a God who reveals himself in the Old Testament so many times, and we could look at so many scriptures, as fire. Hmm. But when we come to the New Testament... There's something qualitatively, exponentially different with what God wants to do. I, I know we use these words. We use Old Testament. Testament is a covenant. So when we talk about the Old Covenant, we say, well, there was a covenant that God made with the children of Israel through Moses, and he took them to Mount Sinai. And if you're reading your Bible through, boy, he's detailing the law. Here's all the stuff. The sacrificial system, the moral code. Live it out, 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 live it out. Do this, do this, don't do this. Da, 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 da. 
That's the Old Testament. It was the Old Covenant. But something changed drastically when you come to the New Covenant, the New Testament. And I believe if, if you can put up this, set up this framework in your mind, that's what I'm calling for God to do in my life and in your life. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And here it is. I've been at least alluding to this truth, just kind of holding my breath, going, nope, can't talk about that, can't talk about that. The difference is what God does in the new covenant through his Holy Spirit inside of our lives. The Old Testament about outward performance of doing the legal law and and living a life like that, the prophets began to say, no, no, but there's a day coming. I think of Jeremiah, maybe chapter 31. Oh, no, 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 the day is coming that the law will not be written on tablets of stone. I will write the law on your hearts. There is something that happens from the Old Testament to the New Testament in which God says, I want to come and inhabit you with my presence and for you to live in a relationship with me. In fact, God is Trinity. We don't even have time to talk about that today. The very person of the Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you and he will be the voice of God. And he will be the power of God. Not around you, but in you. And I believe that kind of change needs to happen. When we talk about spiritual renewal, we're talking about that God wants to leave sort of the outward performance of religion and God wants to do something qualitatively different by coming to live inside of us in the Holy Spirit. The fire, here it is, the fire of the Old Testament transcends to the Holy Spirit in our lives in the New Testament. The fire that was how God revealed himself in the Old Testament uh, when it's taken to the greatest level, to the qualitative difference, it is the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God that comes to live inside of me to be his voice and to be his power and to be his presence in my life. The Holy Spirit is the fire that is to burn within us. Oh, let me read three scriptures and make a few comments. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, Matthew 3, verse 1, the words of John the Baptist. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandal I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, you've got to understand this. John the Baptist is the great prophet who bridges between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's the link. 
In fact, if you go to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, I think it's the last chapter, the prophecy of Malachi is that Elijah, there will be someone like Elijah who will come, and Jesus said that Elijah was John the Baptist. There are 400 years of prophetic silence among God's people. From Malachi to the voice crying in the wilderness, John the Baptist. John the Baptist becomes the link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Remember Jesus said, when his disciples asked him about John the Baptist, he said, I want you to know that among those who are born of women, there is risen no one greater than John. Think, wow, you just trumped uh, Moses and David and a bunch of really big ones. He said, among those born of women, there is no one risen who's been born who is greater than John. Remember what he said after that? But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. That one scripture tells us, know what, what, what happens in Jesus' ministry. Whew. John is the greatest of the old covenant, but the one who is the least in the new covenant in the kingdom of God is greater than him which means you and I are greater than John the Baptist because of what God wanted to do and what he did new in something more. And it's John here in Matthew 3.11 who begins to talk to the people about, he says, I baptize you with water under repentance, but there is one who is greater than me, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. Um, I came to this scripture because it connects the Holy Spirit with fire. In fact, grammatically here, it's interesting. Uh, in the English version and the original words, uh, Holy Spirit and fire are uh, grammatically uh, connected. And what I mean by that is John did not say, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and he will also baptize you with fire. No, that's not what he said. In fact, that's not what it says in the English. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It connects the two. It's not he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and he will baptize you with fire. No, he meant the Holy Spirit is a fire that he will baptize you in. And it's all that we've talked about, that that fire comes to consume us. John said, I baptize you with water unto repentance. What did John come preaching Turn from your wicked ways. Get right. Live according to the law that God has given. And he, he, he details that. You can see that in the gospel accounts. John preaching a, a moral message that says you need to get right. You need to live in accordance with God's commandments. And so what did he do? He baptized them with water. As Carly's been baptized this morning. But it was a baptism unto repentance that they would change their ways. John called on them to change their actions. And that's a great message. But he said, the one that's coming after me, that I'm not even worthy to be his servant that takes off his sandals at night and washes his feet. He's not going to baptize you with the baptism of water unto repentance. No, it will be something far greater than that. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
the Holy Spirit being that fire. John is that link between the old and the new. And he was the one that spoke to the people about the one who was coming, Jesus, who would come to do something more in their lives that God had, than God had ever done. That he would immerse them, baptize them in the Holy Spirit. That scripture is fulfilled, that, that prophecy is fulfilled in the scripture in Acts chapter 2, our second scripture. Three scriptures, this is the second. John prophesied that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they, the company of Jesus' followers, after his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, they were all with one accord in one place, 120 of them. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In fulfillment of John the Baptist's prophecy on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. And it doesn't just come. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the followers of Jesus. In fact, when, when Peter preaches after this, he, the people, there's an uproar, and he brings them all together, and he says, I want, you, I want to explain what has happened here today. He said, this is fulfillment of Joel's prophecy that in the last days God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. The, this, the, the, the sense of it, the emphasis is on the pouring out. There is an abundance. Not that there hasn't been the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament there would be this pouring out. And he said that it was Jesus, the exalted Lord. Later and he says, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Jesus, he would say, that you crucified that God raised from the dead and now has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's the one who the Father gave the Spirit to and he poured out the Spirit and that's what you see and hear. It's kind of interesting that on that day of Pentecost they heard something and it was a mighty rushing wind. They heard it and then they saw it. It was as if the Spirit were tongues of fire that lit on each person the spirit went out to each person and they visually saw that when the spirit demonstrated and was poured out on God's people there was a part of it that they felt or heard and there was part that they saw he came as a wind if you've been reading my devotionals you know I've, I know at least in two devotionals I've talked about this that 
In, in the Hebrew language and the Greek language, the word for spirit is the same as wind and breath. It's all one word. And so when it says that a wind came, it was the wind of the Holy Spirit. When it says that, and they, and they, and, and it, and they saw tongues of fire light on each person, they saw the Holy Spirit as a fire, wind and fire. And if you're raised in 70, that's not earth, wind, and fire. That's just wind and fire, okay? I don't know about the earth. Sorry. Sorry. Stay focused, Daryl. The Holy Spirit demonstrates and reveals himself as wind and fire. But here's the point. It was the Spirit that made all the difference. Until that time. Think about this. That group of 120 they knew what Jesus had taught them. They knew that he had been raised from the dead. They had been given their marching orders, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. But what are they doing? They're in a room, huddled up, with the doors closed, 120 of them, doing nothing. What made the difference when the Spirit was poured out on them? Because it, it marks this completion of what God is doing in the new covenant because if God doesn't do a work in us he won't do a work through us they knew all the teaching of Jesus they knew the facts that Jesus had died for their sins and been raised and ascended to the father but ultimately it was not enough but when you poured the spirit on them they went out that day 3,000 people were saved that day? Or is it 5,000? It was thousands saved and baptized that day. And the difference was the presence of holy God came to live inside of inhabit them to be his presence and his voice and his power. I don't have time to talk about tongues this morning. Make an appointment with Miss Jeannie. Come by and talk to me about it. I got other fish to fry today. This was an in initial outpouring of God's spirit that had phenomenal effects. My last scripture is 1 Thessalonians 5.19. If you're needing to memorize scriptures for Miss Jennifer and you're looking for some real short scriptures, always go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There's some little short ones like, rejoice always. No, Miss Jennifer, I got it. But when we come to verse 19, a little short statement that Paul says, do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Now, if you think about what Paul says there, when he uses the verb quench, it's a word that means to extinguish, to put out a fire. So what is he saying? He is linking the spirit with fire. He is saying that the spirit is like a fire inside of you. Do not extinguish it. Do not throw water on it. Don't try to put it out. The fire has to burn within you. Why? Because the Christian life, apart from the 
the, the voice and the power and the presence of God living in, his, in us is simply the practice of religion. And if we are not careful in the church in America today, we will simply fall into being good people who are doing good things and trying to lay, get, live nice little lives. The qualitative difference is the Holy Spirit inside of us that will not be satisfied. The Holy Spirit will be that something more that takes us from living an Old Testament faith to a New Testament faith. It is the difference. And that's why Paul here, as he's throwing out little short statements to the Thessalonians, he says, do not quench the Spirit it is a fire inside of us that we are not to dampen, but we are to fan. It is the presence, the voice, and the power of God inside of us that makes all the difference in our lives. It is the something more. There's probably a lot of things that we can do to quench the spirit. I don't have time today for an exhaustive list. There's one thing that I will submit to you today that I believe is at the very heart of what God would say to us and wants to do in our midst the one thing I know that will quench the spirit is disobedience. When the spirit is working in my heart, when I refuse, I begin to sprinkle water on that flame in my heart. And the more I disobey, the more the flame gets lower and lower. Don't have time to talk about theology. Does the spirit ever go out? No, I don't care about that issue today. Don't get bogged down in the theology today. Let's get down to practicality today. The one thing I know that will quench the spirit is disobedience. When the spirit moves in my life and speaks to me and I refuse to be obedient to that, the flame will dampen. You'll cut off its air supply, its fuel source. I don't know. There's lots of ways we could look at it. And if that is true, the one thing that I know that fans that flame is obedience. When the Spirit speaks, when the Spirit moves, if I'm obedient, we keep kicking it up a notch. That's all I know is that when the Spirit speaks, when the Spirit moves, if we're obedient to what the presence of Holy God would say to us and want to do in our lives, And he fills us with himself and with power. 
Um, and that becomes what we've talked about for weeks, spiritual renewal. It's really that simple. That when God speaks to my heart, if I'm obedient, because think about this. The Old Testament was just following a list of rules. There wasn't any power and there wasn't any life in that. But through the ministry of Jesus Christ, his death, resurrection, ascension, he poured out the Spirit on his people. And all of a sudden, the very presence of God comes to dwell inside of us and takes our faith to a completely different realm. And Paul would say to the church of Thessalonica, do not quench the Spirit. It is the difference in the practice of religion and being a follower of Jesus Christ. And when we're obedient, that flame, spiritual renewal, will come to my heart and your heart. Pastor has seven minutes left. Let me one last time share my heart from where we started this year at so that we know what it is that God would want to do. First Baptist Church, God wants to do something more. He wants more of us. He wants to do something more through us. And it's more than lukewarm lives. No, what he wants is he wants hearts that are passionate about him. It is more than settling for good lives. No, it's about a life that is led and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. It's more than half-hearted commitment. It's about being completely surrendered to him, whatever he would want to do in my life. You understand, if there is one point of disobedience, the Holy Spirit is stopped in our lives. It only takes one point of disobedience you can't say but there's nine other areas of my life where I'm being obedient it doesn't work like that it is more than half-hearted commitment it is about being completely surrendered to him and it is more than having a head knowledge it is about being possessed by the very presence of of God in the Holy Spirit. Hmm. You know your pastor can't settle on the status quo.
there is something more. And for us this morning, it comes down to individual decisions. My decisions. Your decisions. That when the Holy Spirit is at work in my life, what will I do? Will I settle? Will I be lukewarm? Half-hearted commitment? Only possess a head knowledge? Be a good person? Or will I, will I take the huge leap of faith and say, Oh God, it doesn't make any sense to me, but God, I will. Because I know that's what you're saying to me and that's what you're doing in my life. I'm not this morning talking about emotion. Sometimes the Holy Spirit works through our emotions. I don't know. I'm probably more of an emotional person, particularly the older I get, you know. That's all right. You don't have to cry. I know it's embarrassing for you to watch me cry up here. You know, that's fine. It's not about the emotions. No, in the in the inner recesses of your heart, there is a place that I would call the will. It is the place where my want to and my choices are made. And sometimes emotion affects those and can distort those. Ah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you hear the voice of God, you make a decision in your will that says, God, I don't care if there are emotions with it or if people stand up and clap or whatever it is, God, and so many times they're just little small steps that God asks of us, like Carly in baptism. Oh, it's just one little step. We could say it's baptism. Oh, it doesn't save you. Doesn't matter. But if that's what God has called you to do or something like that, no, you, if you can't, if you're disobedient at that point, you can't move on. The Holy Spirit is just <laughs> squelched in your life. I, I don't know. I take great comfort in the fact that the position of God has been taken by someone else other than me. Hmm. I'm not responsible for you. But if you're a child of God, God's Spirit lives inside of you. And what I ask of you in these days is that you would simply be obedient to what God's Spirit moves you to do. It may be in this service. It may be after this. I don't know what it is. And as we collectively commit ourselves in the days ahead, to say, oh God, I will surrender my life to you. What Ian, Evan Roberts prayed, oh God, bend me. That it'll be a fire that will change us as individuals and it will change us corporately as a church. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Uh, Brother Shane's going to come. Byron will be at the front. I'll be at the front. Simply respond with what God leads you to do today.
Bye. 
and I 